Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. So this is brilliant. I'm here at my friend's church, and I feel like you're all friends and I know you very, very well, because I spend quite a lot of time with Sim in trains on the way to London to Spring Harvest meetings, and we cheer each other on. We meet as couples to talk about church and life, so he cheers us on, we cheer them on, and I follow everything you do on social media. I am your stalker. I like everything on Instagram, Twitter, um, Facebook. I feel like I've been on this journey a little bit with you from behind the scenes, and I'm excited for you. I'm excited about what God has put in place over this last year, particularly with the new ministries that have launched. And I'm excited because I think you've got probably one of the best couples in church leadership that I've ever met. And you're very, very fortunate to have Similotti and Hannah and your team here. You know that, but I'm just going to say what a blessing they are. And I'm I'm thrilled that that they're here. So I'm greatly excited about being here on your year of adventure. Woohoo! I know that you've done a few weeks about uh, this year of adventure and that last year was your vision week and you had this massive peak service that I've got to follow, which is just terrific as a speaker, I must tell you. But I, I really knew a long time ago what I was going to say today. I mentioned it to Sim months ago, before I even knew you were doing a year of adventure. And I wanted to talk to you, and I feel God has asked me to talk to you, actually, about being strong for the journey ahead. To be strong for the journey ahead. To get fit for this adventure. So I am your fitness coach for the morning. Oh, yes. So I was going to wear trainers, but they didn't go with my outfit, so that didn't happen. And I'm allergic to exercise, but we'll put those things to the side for now. I actually asked Sim to dress up like Keith Lemon in fitness gear, and he refused, which I thought was very disappointing. But I am your fitness coach for the morning. And just like all the stuff you hear about fitness on the television and magazines, you know this stuff already. Eat less, move more. It's not rocket science. But actually... It's important that we hear it, and it's important because I think this is a message for you on your year adventure. So how strong are you? We're going to talk about strength training today. How strong are you? I thought I'd do a little quiz to start with, because all good coaches do a little appraisal. If you go to the gym, which apparently some people do, I've got no idea why you would, but anyway, when you go to a gym, the trainer will ask you, first of all, you know, some questions to do an appraisal of your fitness. So we're going to do that right now. You might want to... Roll your shoulders, prepare yourself. Question number one, answer this with a person next to you, if you will. Okay, how strong are you? Question number one, you are in pain. How do you cope with it? A, you just deal with it until it's over. You just keep going no matter how hard it is. B, you deal with it, but you do whimper just a little bit. C, life is always so painful, I don't care anymore. Or D, you just cry and cry and cry yourself to try and distract yourself from the pain. So are you A, hardcore, just deal with it. B, deal with it, whimper. C, life is always so challenging. Or D, I just sob. Which one are you? Share with your neighbour. Okay. (laughs) 
So that's interesting. Some of you are revealing things about you. You know, we sang earlier, nothing here is hidden. Well, here we are. It's all coming out now. But, okay, question number two. If somebody hurts the people you love, if someone hurts the people of love, what do you do? Do you A, beat them up? Do you B, confront them because no one hurts the people I love? Do you C, try to defend them, but um, I don't think I'll probably get anywhere? Or D, nothing, I'm too scared. Which one? From beat them up to nothing, I'm too scared. Where on that spectrum are you? Have a little chat. Did anybody go down the beat them up route? I think that's important that we confess. You would. Okay, that's good to know. Some little prayer ministry required there. Okay, and final question then on this strength fitness test. It's very interesting. Which one of these can most easily make you cry? A, nothing. I don't do tears. B, things about my life, my career, or things that I see on the news. C, People I love, they're the ones I care about. Or D, anyone, everything, I'm always crying. <laughs> I wonder which one of those. Last question, come on, reveal yourself. It's interesting, isn't it? And it's very interesting, I think, to think about what we think strength is and what we think weakness is. Are we strong because we don't cry? Are we weak because we do? Not necessarily. It is interesting for us to think about what strength looks like, where it comes from, why we need it. And the truth is, if you're going on an adventure this year as a church, which I know that you are, and you're dreaming dreams, and you're thinking about this building, and you're investing people's lives, and you're supporting the poor, if you're going to do these things, then you are going to need some real inner strength on this journey. And I think it's very important for us to think about what that strength is, because otherwise we won't be able to draw on it when we need it. God is going to use you to do things that you don't even yet know about. They are beyond what you can ask or imagine, so you need to be prepared for things you don't even know about. So that's the kind of inner strength we have to get in advance, like all fitness trainers will tell you. You know, you need, it, you need to do the training on the way so that you're ready for when the challenge arises. So that's what we're going to think about today, and I've got to some verses to share with you that are going to come up on the screen that have been really important to me, really important to me as I have had to face different challenges, which we'll talk about a bit in a minute, and kind of like equip myself to be able to be strong for what life throws at me. And I hope that they'll be encouraging for you too. You won't be surprised at all since I wrote a book on diamonds that there is the word treasure in here. I'm a bit addicted to bling, and uh, it's uh, usefully in this verse as well. So 2 Corinthians 4, if you've got a Bible or if you've got an app, um, and if you want to follow it, that would be great, because we are going to refer to this passage, but it's um, on the screen for now anyway. Um, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7 onwards. These are amazing words. These are amazing. These words will strengthen you in ways that you just can't even imagine the more you dig into them. Here we go, verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay 
to show that the passing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Move down to verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self might waste away, Our inner self is being renewed day by day. This light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So we could speak about this all year, these verses. So it's great that I've got five hours with you this morning because we're going to use every minute. So the first point really I want to do is the first verse out of that. And that is about core training. This is about strength in our core training. Now, I'm on the edge of my knowledge here as far as fitness, fitness kind of words and vocabulary are concerned. But I believe this is important. Any people who like Pilates here will know all about this. Core training. Here's that verse again, verse 7. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show us that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So here's the thing. If we want to have strength right in our core, we need to get this perspective absolutely right, don't we? The all-surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We're jars. Our life is jars. The external stuff is jars, but he is the treasure in us. It is Christ in us that gives us the strength. It's not us. It's Christ in us that gives us the strength. He is the star of the show, not us. He is the I am, which must mean that I am not. He is all-powerful, wonderful, and all-knowing. And sometimes some of us try and turn this back to, back to front, and maybe we think that we're the star of the show in, in our life, and we kind of write this script around us where we're the central character, and kind of God's applauding us from behind the scenes. And it's completely back to front. It should be completely the other way round, where God is the star of the show, the spotlight on him, and all we want to do is draw attention to him, and we want to be applauding him and glorifying him and bringing attention to him. That's what is our, our life should be about. And that doesn't mean that we don't matter or that our self-esteem should be low. Quite the opposite. This amazing God created us, designed us, died on a cross for the things we've done wrong. He adores us. You are the apple of God's eye. It's just that you're not the center of the universe. God is the most important thing of all. And if we want to be really strong, it is about learning to treasure what really matters and to invest in what really matters. A few years ago, I heard a story, um, a true story, actually, about a South African farmer. He owned this huge farm in South Africa, but it was the time where there was this massive mineral and gold rush in South Africa. So he decided to sell his farm and go off to find treasures and riches and fame and fortune. So off he set on his year of adventure to try and find what he was looking for. Very, very sadly, he never found what he was looking for, and actually he died a penniless failure, and he jumped into a river and drowned. Really, really sad story. 
The interesting thing is that the person who bought his farm years later, as part of working on the farm, they discovered some rocks that looked really unusual. And someone said, I'd like to come and investigate this rock. You know where I'm going. They looked at this rock and they discovered in it, I kid you not, this is factually true, it was the largest diamond that had ever been discovered. I think it's part of our crown jewels, actually, now. And that farm is now Kimberley Diamond Mine, which some of you will know is the richest, most famous diamond mine in the world. So here we had a man who wanted something, who really treasured something, but he didn't know he already had it. He already owned what he was looking for. It was in, in his possession. It's just that he hadn't really scraped off the surface to discover what he already had. So he went off to try and find things that would satisfy him, things that would make him feel better, things that would make him feel more significant, more wealthy, whatever, when actually what he really needed was already right underneath his feet. And if we want to be strong in our core for this adventure, for this journey that's ahead of us, we need, I really believe this, I'm passionate about this as a person married to a church leader, we have to invest in and own and rediscover what God has given us. He has given us the riches of the kingdom of God. He has given us a divine inheritance. He has given us a birthright. He has given us everything that we ever need and more. He has given us the word of God. He has given us the Holy Spirit. He has given us more than we could ever ask or imagine. And yet, sometimes it's not enough for us. We go off here to find, this might make me feel a little bit more significant, or this nice new car might me feel a bit more special, or this new relationship. And it's like, hey, it's here. That thing that's going to make you feel content, the thing that makes you feel like actually it's great to be alive, to be alive in all of its fullness is here. God has given it to us. And yet so often we don't dig. And I'm looking at me as I'm looking at you here. We don't dig enough beyond the surface into what has been given to us. We treat it like it's just part of the landscape. We get so used to it, don't we? Get so used to Jesus. It's just Jesus. But actually, God has given us riches. And if we want to be strong for the journey, then church, we need to dig. We need to uncover what God has given us and really invest in our relationship with God, into our prayer life. I hope your prayer meetings this year are so full that you run out of chairs. We've got to invest in reading the word of God, in accountable real relationships, in serving with joy, in you know, all of the stuff. It's, you know, it's again, you know, eat less, move more. It's not rocket science. You know this stuff. We've got to fast, we've got to pray, we've got to read. But actually... Not because we have to, but because God has given us this treasure trove to discover and to enjoy and to really, really mine into. We have to invest it if we want to be strong. Some of you here will have read books by Richard Foster, great author, wrote A Celebration of Discipline years ago, which I think is a classic book. He said this, the desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or for more gifted people but for deep people, for deep people. And I have a real passion, and this is one of the reasons why I think we're involved in Spring Harvest as well, is that we discover the treasure of the gospel again as the church, that we will not allow this generation to be the generation that becomes biblically illiterate, or this to be the generation that forgets how to pray. 
day by day, that we would get a new hunger for God, that we would be so hungry that we would read, that Christian publishers would not be going out of business like they are now, that festivals would be full again, that we'd rediscover this hunger for God. That's important if we're going to be able to train to stay strong. And it's important as well, because we need this at our core, but also, and this is my next point, is that we will be tested. We will be tested. Anyone here um, work out that life isn't easy? Anyone else have had that experience? Some of you, apparently not. You're fine. That's great news. <laughs> That's good. And so now, I, I, this is kind of, I'm moving on to the next part of our training this morning, is resistance training. I have no idea what that means, but I understand the word resistance. So life is not always easy. We will come against resistance. You must have come against resistance in your life. You're about to embark on a building project. I'd like to tell you that's going to be easy. We've been doing a building project at Loxheath for 10 years. It's nearly killed us. It has been, hands down, the hardest thing that we've ever done. That's not what you're looking to hear for today, is it? Sorry, Sim. Okay, it's going to be different here. I appreciate that. Um, but, you know, Sim has shared a lot of train journeys with me over the last few years that we've known each other, where he has heard me say, I don't know whether we can do this anymore, Sim. It's too hard. It's really tough. Just getting through this next set of planning permission and raising this next amount of money, and it's hard. It's really hard. And there have been obstacles along the way that have been really hard to get through. I have to tell you, 2017, we're breaking ground this year. It's a £5 million project. It has nearly killed us, but it's going to be incredible. We're building a legacy for generations to come in our community like you're going to be able to do here. It's a facility for God to use. It's an unbelievable thing to be part of, and I'm so excited about what God is going to do both at Locks Heath and here as well. But this is where we need this inner strength, and where we have to remember that the external stuff, our jars are fragile. We, we do get hurt, don't we? Life is difficult. We need to discover that treasure inside us and build resilience. But you only build resilience when you face resistance. Is that true, fitness people? You only get strong as you face resistance, as you rework those muscles. That's when you build resilience. I think they say no pain, no gain, don't they? And this is a challenge for us as Christians. And I don't know you all very well, but you know there is some theology that gets taught around that somehow Christians should you know, never experience pain or never have suffering, or should never struggle. And I'm mystified constantly by this theology because it doesn't square up with me about what I read in my New Testament and, and the Old Testament about the biblical characters who went through such hard times. They really, really did. And I think we need to remember that when Paul wrote, to live is Christ and to die is gain, and to, I long to know Christ in his sufferings, he was not writing that on a beach, supping a pina colada. He was in prison. He was not having an easy time. He was writing that in the middle of a tough, tough challenge. We are not a protected species as Christians. We go through life. This is where these verses from verse 8 are incredible. We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but we are not forsaken. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. Yes, we carry in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. So we do not lose heart. 
Our outer self might waste away, but our inner self is being renewed day by day. Who needs to hear that today? I know I do. Resilience is developed when we come against resistance. One of the things I discovered, I had to spend a year researching diamonds. It's a hard job, ladies. It was really tough. It was all for Jesus. Somebody had to do it, and that somebody was me. So I spent a lot, and there's some funny stories in the book about my discoveries about diamonds. But one of the things I learned about, and you all know this fact probably already, is that diamonds are the most, the hardest natural material in the world. They are tough little beauties. In fact, they are four times tougher than the next most hard natural material. And the only thing that can cut a diamond apart from a laser is another diamond. They are that strong. But here's the thing, they are basically carbon. They are coal, same stuff as coal, same stuff as graphite in your pencil. But when they were formed under the earth where you can't see, they come under enormous heat and enormous pressure, and that carbon is transformed into something that is valuable, something beautiful, something strong, something useful. It's just absolutely changed from coal into something so amazing because of heat and pressure. Anybody here put their hands up to God and go, do you know what, I'd love to be transformed, so just bring on the heat and pressure, Lord. More stress, please, Jesus. If, you, if that's you, there is a prayer ministry team, and they would love to spend some long amount of time with you. Now, none of us, none of us want to face heat and pressure, but actually, I think we all do, don't we? We all go through those different times, and I think we would all say that we've been transformed because of those times, we have seen, we have learned things there that we would never learn on Easy Street. Am I right? As anyone, not to be glib about it, not to minimise it, because suffering is not easy. Now, there's lots of things I could tell you about uh, my life. It's it's quite a, an epic, actually. But I'll just thought I'd tell you about one of the challenges I faced over recent years. Mark and I got married very young. Um, and yes, very young actually. And um, we went to London, and Mark was at Bible College. And we went for a little appointment to an uh, optician with Mark because he was having some trouble seeing at night time. So we went for what we thought was a normal standard uh, meeting with an optician uh, in a hospital in London. And while we were there, the consultant said to Mark, Do you know what your eye condition is? And Mark said, Well, I'm short sighted and I don't seem to be seeing so well at night. And the consultant said, just wait here a moment. And he left the room, and he came back again with another consultant, a professor, and a social worker with a guide dog, which being very discerning, we figured probably wasn't going to be good news. And it wasn't. Mark was 24. And on that day, he was registered partially sighted. He lost his driving license on that day. And within two years, he was registered blind. And they told him he has a hereditary disease called retinitis pigmentosa and that he would lose all of his eyesight. Mark is 43 now. He has about 3% vision left, but only in real strong daylight. He uses a white stick, and it is tough. You know, I'm just going to put it out there. It's, it's really hard. It's really hard. This was not the fairy tale I planned for my life. Does anyone else ever had that? feeling go through their minds when they have that junction point, when something happens, when that marriage fails, when that diagnosis happens, when the redundancy, whatever it is, you go, actually, this isn't what I planned. 
This isn't, this isn't how I saw my life panning out. I did not expect to be married to someone who couldn't drive, who can't do DIY, who can't see how amazing my hair is, who um, can't eat in a restaurant, who, you know, can't, because he can't see his food on his plate, it's really difficult. And, you know, there's so many things that I hadn't figured that this is what my life was going to be like. But if it's hard for me, oh my word, I can't imagine what it's like for Mark, you know, not to see his daughters grow up, not to see a sky full of stars, to be in a room and to have lots of people speaking, but to have no idea who's speaking and whether they're speaking to him. And I think worst of all, actually, is to be out when he's got his white stick and when people speak to him as if he is stupid, when he is, hands down, one of the most intelligent, brilliant men I've ever met in my life. It really sucks. On the bright side, I keep telling him I look like Kylie Minogue. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> It's got no reason to disagree. <laughs> Can't, no idea. <laughs> no idea. Dusting, don't need to. Can't see it. It's fine. <laughs> Stretch marks, none. Nope, none at all. It is tough, isn't it, sometimes? Life is really, really tough. And we are fragile. Our jars are fragile. You know, things happen. We get cracked. It is really challenging. And so we have to know how to keep going. I've got a great picture for you that's kind of on the screen of um, this is our plan for life at the top. Um, and then this is real life <laughs> at the bottom. Can you see that? Am I stood absolutely in the wrong place? So you can see there's real life underneath. Now, I've got one of those really like, annoying questions to ask you. At the end of which of those journeys would you be stronger and fitter? That's an annoying question, isn't it? Because the truth is, you know that you will be stronger when you come against resistance, you will build resilience. I learned quite a lot about resilience from my oldest daughter. She's called Naomi. Um, she's studying physics at university at the moment, and she is very resilient. Now, I choose the word resilient because I'm her mother. Other people might say stubborn. Um, you know, they're interchangeable kind of words. But Naomi's always been my resilient child, you know? She just kind of keeps going whatever. It's been an interesting, you know, time parenting such a resilient girl. But I remember once we were going across the country on a journey and we stopped in a service station for some of those, um, one of those high-fat, high-priced foods that you buy in a service station. And we sat down and Naomi got herself burger and chips. And she began to uh, sprinkle these sachets of salt all over the chips. And because I'm an amazing mother, I said to her, darling, I think you'll find that there's already the Dead Sea's worth of salt all over those chips, and you don't actually require any more. And because she was a teenager, she just looked at me, opened the sachets of salt, and carried on sprinkling anyway, as you do. So, but then it was hilarious. Then she, every chip she ate, she literally winced. She picked up the chip, put it in her mouth, picked up another chip, put it in her mouth, winced. But bless her heart, because she's so resilient, she just kept going until every single chip had been cleared from the plate. It was about an hour later that we were in the car and I was driving and she said to me, Mum, I'm not feeling so well. And because I'm a fantastic mother, I'm also very good at being smug. So I said, darling, I wonder why that might be. Do you think it might have been the chips by any chance? And she said yes. And it was at that point that she revealed that she had, in fact, accidentally sprinkled sugar all over <laughs> her chips. But because she's so resilient, she had carried on going until every single one of those chips was done. Now, 
you know, that's my daughter for you. But, and it's, going to, it's also her greatest strength, I have to let you know. She's surrounded by male atheists in her course now, and she's doing perfectly fine, thank you very much, because she's so resilient. It's her greatest strength, as well as a slight frustration as a parent. She is absolutely wonderful. But here's the thing. There is a kind of stubbornness that leaves a bad taste in your mouth. But there is also, I believe, a holy kind of tenacity, is there not? That says, I will not give up. I will keep on going. No matter what this feels like, no matter what this tastes like right now, I am going to be able to keep going. I know that as I face this resistance, I'm actually building resilience. And that's why I don't have this picture above my desk. I have this next picture above my desk that says this. Life doesn't get easier. You just get stronger. Anyone worked out that life doesn't always, you know, you think it's going to simplify. It doesn't actually. You just get different problems. But you get stronger. I can handle things now. I'm in my mid-40s. I couldn't when I was 20. Everything you're going through now is equipping you for the next challenge. You're getting stronger as you face resistance. You are getting resilient. And I'm talking here about the kind of single-minded strength that says, I am committed to following Jesus, whatever that means. Wherever he takes me, I will keep going. I'm not going to crumble under these challenges that I face at the moment because I know that God is my strength. I am going to stick with this church and do life with these people, even though they drive me slightly bonkers from time to time. I'm going to hang in there with this relationship that God has asked me to walk with this person, either in my marriage or friendship, and I'm going to keep going even though actually it's blooming difficult at times. I'm not giving up and I'm not giving in because I know God is with me and he's got plans for me. My circumstances might change, but Jesus never changes and he is with me. I might face disappointment, I might face persecution, but I'm not crushed and I'm not forsaken. He's with me and I know the battles I'm winning now are going to equip me to fight the bigger battles down the line and also will help me to come alongside those who are fighting those battles beyond. You know, people else I can comfort and come alongside them because I've already been through it. We're getting stronger. This is a holy stubbornness, a holy resilience. It says, I'm going to keep on going on this adventure. You know, when you are supporting people in debt, when you're coming alongside those who are trafficked, when you're walking with your friends in Uganda, when you're building this new building, when you're mentoring and coming alongside young people who face the kind of challenges, frankly, most of us can't even imagine, it's going to take some resilience. And we will come across obstacles. But God is building us. I really believe this. He's building our strength for what comes. So don't try and wriggle out of the circumstances you're in. It says that, doesn't it, in the Bible? Don't, don't try and shortchange the process. God is teaching you some stuff through it. And again, I don't say that glibly. There are diamonds in the darkness, Isaiah 45. There is treasure you find in the darkness that will keep you going. And this is important because this is my last point. You'll be pleased to know that we're in this for the long haul. This is long-term training we're talking about, long-term training. And you'll notice I'm using the word training and not trying. Training and not trying. Trying harder is not going to get us through the challenges of life, but training will. It's different. You can't just try to run a marathon. You have to train to run a marathon. And this is what I want to share with you today on this one. What you can't see 
always shapes what you can see. What you can't see always shapes what you can see. Hold on to that, will you? What happens in the dark is what is revealed in the light. When you see somebody else and they have something you want, that's probably because of choices they made in places that you can't see. What happens beneath the surface is revealed by what you see above the surface. This is really, really important. If you also, I also believe this thing, I was praying about this this morning, that when we focus on what is hidden, so not the superficial jars, when we, know, when we look deeper and start focusing on what is hidden, God will start revealing to you other things that have as yet been hidden. It's, it's, if we spend our whole time focusing on what we can see on the superficial stuff, we miss out. We miss out both ways. We miss out on the stuff beneath the surface in our own life, but also we miss out on what God wants to reveal spiritually and tangibly. It's what's hidden that matters. What you can't see always shapes what you can see. Here's the end of the, these verses. This momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Who wants an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison? I do. That's great. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Are you hearing me? The, seen, the things that are seen are transient. The things that are unseen are eternal. Now, I know this is true because scientists have revealed that there are basically two kinds of people in the world. There are those who keep their cupboards and drawers tidy, and there are those who don't. Do we have any neat freaks with us here today? I've been to your house, Lottie. It's tidy, actually. You've, uh, you've got a few neat freaks. Do you, people who iron your tea towels and stack your Tupperware in size order. You do. Do you color code your clothes? You do. Okay. Do your pets sit in alphabetical order on the sofa? How far can we go with this? You are awesome. You can come to my house and sort my life out. That's amazing. I would love to be one of these people who has everything that you can't see ordered. The truth is, in my house, I live in chaos, and it's kind of, it's a bit messy. But then once a year, I do this thing uh, near Christmas when I'm having lots of guests. I go around, I clear all of the surfaces, I hoover like crazy, it all goes mad, and then I stand back and go, wow, look at my house. It looks like an Ikea catalogue. It's marvellous. And it's wonderful, and people come around and go, look at your house. It's marvellous, like an Ikea catalogue. And I'm like, no. But woe betide anybody who opens a drawer or a cupboard, because it's like an avalanche waiting to happen. It's really, really true. But here's the thing. What is lying beneath the surface of your life? What is lying beneath the surface? What is unseen? I think, I think we spend, and I'm talking to myself as well as you, we spend a lot of time making our jars look good, making sure that our worktops look clear for other people when they come round. And yet, sadly, as a church leader, I know, because I get to see the insides of people's lives all the time, that so often we are stuffing things into metaphorical drawers to deal with at a later date that are so important, and yet they need to be looked at, and yet we keep them hidden because we don't want anyone to see. We prefer them to see the clear worktop rather than what's going on underneath. There are these things like our finances, our addictions, our relationships, the baggage, the fragility that we have because we're all human we all have fragility, areas where we know we need the victory of Christ. But to be honest, to open up that drawer in front of other people would be kind of embarrassing and awkward. And yet, so what happens is, so often, they end up coming to see the pastor or the bank manager or whoever at the point where it's almost impossible 
to do anything about it if only those drawers had been edged open earlier. It's about making wise choices, long-term training. When my daughters go out at night, I always shout after them, make wise choices. Sometimes as a worship leader at church, I feel like I want to say the the same at the end of every service. God bless you, make his face shine upon you, and make wise choices. (laughs) I really do feel that sometimes. Long-term training is about walking away from temptation, about making good choices, about actually doing the things that we say that we're going to do. It's really easy, isn't it, to say, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. But any of us here who have been married more than 10 minutes know that following through on that is really hard work. It's really challenging, actually. And we need help. We need help to get through a, a marriage. It's tough. It's really easy to sing on a Sunday morning, oh, I love you above all riches and treasures and la, la, la. Really hard when we come to make our monthly budget to decide to tithe first and to be generous. It's hard, isn't it? These choices, these wise choices are really, really difficult. But we're not talking about trying harder. We're talking about training. We're talking about holy habits. We're talking about self-discipline. There's a really, really funky, attractive, trendy word. But how important is this? Self-discipline. And we need each other. We've got to train together. I can't do it on my own. Who here feels like they've got all the resources for life? I don't. I can't do it on my own. I need Christ and I need you. I need my brothers and sisters to be able to do it, to take off my mask and to be honest about the stuff that is going on. I really believe The church is a place we come to to get healed and to get equipped and to get trained up for life ahead of us so that God can do more than he wants and more than we can ask or imagine. God's ways are higher than ours and I don't think we can really begin to imagine what he's positioning you and this church and the Christians in Romsey for. He's got great plans for this community, and I can see, as an outsider, how he's placing things in place for significant building. Not just building a building, it's just a building. He wants to build the kingdom of God. And what he's going to do here is remarkable. So you need to be strong. I need to be strong. You need to be strong in your core, right there with God, really digging into your relationship. You need to know how to deal with resistance and so that you build resilience and you need to be in it for the long term. And that means dealing with the hidden stuff and actually training together and putting into place those holy habits that will keep you going and right to the very end. God is a great big God. He loves you. His forgiveness and grace is so enormous. Isn't he amazing? He has got good plans. So I'm here really as a friend to say, strengthen yourselves, church. Don't fall by the wayside. Keep going. You've got a race to run. So get fit for it. Get strong for it. So I'm going to invite um, the musicians up as I'm just going to really just lead you in some thoughts and some reflections. I've talked lots. But actually, you don't really need to hear lots of words from Kathy Madavan. You need to hear some words from God. So I'm going to invite you, if you're comfortable with this, just to spend some time with your eyes closed. And I'm going to just look at each of those points and ask you to ask God what he wants to reveal. Where do you need some extra fitness training, friends? What is God asking you to strengthen at the moment? Let's just close our eyes. Holy Spirit, come and speak to us now.
Oh God, we want to be strong for this journey. Whatever, it, whatever comes before us, we do want to be singing when the sun goes down. We know that you're strong, God, and that we are fragile. We want to draw on your strength this morning, Lord. Will you speak to us now? So let's just think about this core strength, this relationship with God that you have now. Just take a moment to offer your relationship with God to God. Dwell in his presence. Come back to him. God, we just long to go past the superficial and the surface to discover more of what you have for us. And some of us here need to repent for being shallow in our faith, for snacking on the gospel instead of really feeding, for not digging deep into the riches. And Lord, we are sorry when we take you for granted, when we don't own and treasure what it is you have done for us and your relationship with us. We long to go deeper with you, God, to be deep-rooted. And I just want to ask you, what is your next step in that today? Let's not be unrealistic about it. You might not be able to commit to praying five hours every day. Can you go on a prayer walk? Download a Bible app that can read to you each morning his word while you're getting ready. Find a prayer partner. How are you going to do this? Like actually do it. Talk to God. Tell him how you want to deepen your relationship with him. We're serious, God. We want to know you more. We're hungry for you. What about this resilience training? Some of us here today are going through really enormous challenges. Maybe we're trying to cope on our own. Maybe we're trying to rely on our own strength instead of God's a little bit. You know, we are fragile jars. But God is strong. God is strong. It is Christ in you that is the hope of glory. What can you do? What one thing can you do today in your resilience training? What one conversation, what one discipline, what one conversation could you have with someone else in order to either get through the journey yourself or to stand alongside someone else who is struggling right now? We don't want to be flaky Christians, God, who fall by the wayside the first time a challenge comes our way. We want to be strong, to be able to cope with life's challenges with you in it. Just because life sucks, God, we know that you don't. You're amazing. We want to do life with you, even in the tough times. And we ask, God, you would reveal yourself especially there, especially there, in those tough places, 
God, be present. Shine your light into the darkness. Give us strength that we didn't even know was possible. And for the long term, what stuff is it that you've got in your drawers and your cupboards that you are hiding that will stop you making it long term? What you can't see will shape what you can see. What holy habits do you need to put in place today? You need to be strong. You need to walk away from the stuff that is making you unfit and embrace the stuff that will make you strong. You need to stop certain things and start others. Make a covenant with God now and maybe get some prayer afterwards. We're in it for the long haul, Lord. We believe, God, that you are taking us on an adventure beyond what we could ask or imagine. We believe, God, you are building the kingdom of God in this town. We believe you are mighty. We believe that you are extraordinary. We trust you, God, and we long to be disciples who follow you so closely that we can, you know, we've got the dust of your feet on ours because we're so close to you. God, help us to grow strong, to know you, to struggle through with you, and to put long-term habits into place that mean that we can be following you till the day we die, God, that we would be getting stronger every day, that we would be investing that in the next generation, that we're bringing up people behind us who are even stronger than we are. Help us to do it together, Lord. Help us to do it together. May this community be known for its love. May this community be known for its authenticity and its reality and for its strength, not in the people, but in you. Because in you we find our strength. You are our hope of glory. Build us, God. Build us into a strong army of people who do wonderful things for you and your kingdom in this community, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You're going to maybe need to note down a couple of those things that you've talked to God about today. And I would really encourage some of you, I know you have prayer after the service. Don't go home without doing some business with God. If you need to pray that in with someone, either someone you're with or, or, or the prayer ministry team, make a note. Make today another important day on your adventure. Make it a milestone day when you decide that you're going to be strong. And I am excited to be sharing this journey with you and I'm cheering you on all the way. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.